he would become bearish on silver if it ran straight to $100. Of course, it didn't run straight to $100. It actually hit that 50 or came very close to that 50 high and then corrected. We know that it was manipulation. But irregardless of the manipulations, we can see that there's a very serious consolidation going on. Welcome to Radio Irregardless, your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. Now please welcome to the Internet Airwaves. Really? Internet Airwaves? It's, it's okay, you can just do it. It's just, just say Internet Airwaves, it sounds really cool. Alright, sorry, I'm just... Internet gonna... Airwaves. Okay then, please welcome to the Internet Airwaves, your host, Mark Scalia. And welcome to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. <laughs> I have uh, just ran in the door and I was like, I think I'm ready. And I didn't. I just, I did not have it completely ready. Uh, I'm sounding a little flat tonight and I don't know why. Um, uh, not me personally. I, I thought maybe, maybe I do sound a little flat. I don't know. Maybe my voice is flat. Maybe I forget my sultry voice on. But you are listening to Radio Irregardless, your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. With me, your host, Mark Scalia. And as I said, I just ran in the door, um, had just enough time to do <laughs> to set up a show. Um, luckily, I did all my show prep, and I did all that earlier. Um, sounds sharp. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that I sound sharp. Um, and without missing a bit, uh, a beat, not mid a bit. Uh, without missing a beat, ladies and gentlemen, start it off right with the Happening Now monologue. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? Past that. When? Just now. We're it now, now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. Soon, and it's happening now. That's what the Happening Now monologue, happening now monologue is all about. Um, a lot of things going on. A lot of things been happening this week. Um, I actually, I'll bring you up to speed on uh, what I was doing tonight. Um, the school that I normally teach at or were, was, was teaching at had a bit of uh, financial problems. They were affiliated with Boston University and Kim Santo should know that very well because she works at BU. Shh, it's a secret. Um, because they have to uh, catch her. <laughs> um, but uh, they were accredited with BU. And they have, uh, yeah, shh, I know it's secret. Uh, and they had some financial issues and some admin problems. And as a result, the the school technically uh, went out of existence for a little bit. And a little bit would be about a month and a half. A wonderful a gentleman uh, by the name of Dave, and I can't remember his last name offhand, but I met him, sweetheart of a guy, uh, is taking over the school. And it's going to be a private school at this point. He's going, he's got connections and he's... Uh, doing this thing. So the whole school is going through a total revamp. And the school used to be known as CDIA, which was the Center for Digital Imaging and Arts. 
they've dropped the I. So my running joke is there is no I in CDIA. Uh, <laughs> but now it's just known as CDA, which is the Center for Digital Arts. And they want to expand it. Um, they want to do more technical things. They want to do more, uh, just get away from um, analog and shoot for more digital. And they're going to take all the best of what was and incorporate it in all the best of what it could be. And I'm very excited um, to be part of that. And hopefully this spring I'll be teaching again. Yay! That would be wonderful. So that's my first thing. The next thing I wanted to mention is um, made national news and actually international news. Robin Williams, uh, comedian, actor, or actor-comedian of uh, dozens of films, uh, HBO specials, Showtime, fundraising for... uh, uh, comic relief uh, for the homeless. Um, he actually, uh, he died. And he actually, uh, it was reported, and they keep saying apparent, apparent suicide. Um, everybody knows that Robin Williams was a, a brilliant personality, brilliant person. And he was, uh, through his own, you know, conveyance, manic depressive, had bouts with uh, alcoholism and uh, drugs and uh, just depression. And eventually, the depression won, and that's a very unfortunate thing. But I wanted to not so much talk about, you know, that aspect. But I think it's especially, yeah, it, it comedy is born out of pain. Comedy is tragedy plus time, uh, and that's the formula that we always use. And it's very unfortunate that somebody like that uh, succumb or succumbed, I don't know, or, you know, was overtaken by... And lost the uh, lost the fight with uh, depression, and uh, most, some of my listeners know this. I actually suffer from not only seasonal depression, but I think depression in general. Um, it's a very different thing. I think everybody suffers from suffers from some form of depression. I mean, it just happens. We're up, we're down. We're up, we're down. There's so many things to kind of move us in this happy, sad kind of circle, and it's really difficult. And you know, everybody's like, "Well, couldn't you reach out to somebody?" Could of course you could. Of course you could. And some people are blaming it on, well, society's, society is so tough on a person. Well, no, society isn't tough on a person. Life is tough on everybody, and that's the way it always is. That's the way it always, it's always going to be. And you kind of have to, I hate to say it like this, but you kind of kind of deal with it. you got to suck it up. Um, I myself, I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, I don't know if I'm very unusual, but when I was a kid, of course, I, I not only contemplated, but actually attempted suicide a couple times. Um you know, you just get so, but I mean, at 17, you're like, well, I don't see life getting better because that's all you know. The older you get, hopefully, the more you realize you have more to live for. There's more sources. And unfortunately, you know, Robin Williams at 63 just couldn't, you know, couldn't find that outlet. And uh, the one thing I can say is there is a huge link uh, between depression and suicide. And suicide is just a way out. And I know that some newscasters and some people reporting said, well, suicide is cowardice, and he was a coward for doing it. Well, here's my thing on that. It is a form of, I don't want to say a form of cowardice, but it is a form of submitting submission. You submitted to what overcame you. And I can thoroughly appreciate that because I've gone through it. I deal with it. My family has depression issues. People I know have depression issues. Uh, I just chose never to medicate. I've chose to just kind of deal with the situation best I can, to be self-aware, to look for help, to, um, you know, to go through things and, and to just say, look, I'm in a bad place, you know, keep me away from harm or keep other people away from me or that kind of thing. But 
I mean, I think everybody attempts it. Everybody at least contemplates it. So it's it's you know it's just part of life. And I know it's a comedy show, but that's it's one of these things that you know my little PSA is: if you feel that way, there is constant constant sources of ways out of it, or at least ways to acknowledge it, not to succumb to it. So that's all I can say. And we will miss Robin Williams. I mean, you know, provided a, I mean, people gonna die. You know, I mean, I just lost a good friend of mine. Well, not a good friend of mine, but certainly a friend of mine uh, last week. So I went over this last week. And now Robin Williams touched, you know, so many people, millions of people, you know, with his acting and stand-up and things like that. So it's a very difficult road to hoe, and we all must do what we must do. So take strength. And that's why I do. I take my strength from this show, from doing my shows, from stand-up from interaction with people, and as much as I can't stand humanity, I do kind of need them. So thank you for listening, and thanks at least for listening to this ramp. Let's jang it up. Let's make it go up a little bit, a little uh, a little lighter, if you will. Uh, I have some good news to announce. Uh, coming up in October, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, yes, uh, I don't know what greater than, uh, less than three means. Uh, I don't know what that icon actually means. Um, coming up in October, I was approached by a, a gentleman in uh, in uh, Salem uh, who runs the Griffin Theater to do a one-man show. Um, excuse me. Clear my throat. Thank you. Um, I'm a little hoarse. I was I had a couple cocktails and I was laughing and joking with some people at the uh, party. Uh, so I'm a little I'm a little flat. Even though I don't sound sharp, I sound a little flat. Uh, my voice is much deeper tonight than it usually is. Um, but I'm doing a one-man show coming up in uh, in October at the Griffin Theater. It's going to be every Thursday night except for the first Thursday. And it's going to be called The Hysterical Medium at Large. And it combines um, psychic abilities, um, uh, clairvoyancy, <laughs> um, uh, card reading, and, of course, um, comedy. Hopefully it'll combine all those things. And the tickets will be going on sale uh, very soon. So if you're in the Salem area and you want a good laugh and you can't stand um, real psychics, and it's it's not going to be a scary show. It's going to be made to be entertaining. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I play a character, and I've, I'm not even going to tell you the character's name, but he is, he is a comedic medium. Let's just put it that way. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And today, I actually got my uh, paperwork. Um, big announcement. Uh, in New Year's Eve to around the third week of January, I will be in Toronto, Kingston, Ontario, and Toronto, uh, Tor- I mean, uh, sorry, uh, 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 Ontario. Ontario? Yes. Ontario. No. What's the, what's the, oh, I don't even know where I am. <laughs> I'm going to be in Canada for three weeks. Um, that's what I'm actually doing. I will be in, let's say, let's just open it. Ottawa. I will be in Ottawa the first week, New Year's Eve. I will be in Kingston, Ontario, and then Toronto, Ontario, the third week, um, for absolute comedy. I just got the paperwork today. I'm very much looking forward to that. I haven't been there in a while. This is probably one of the longest road gigs I've ever done, three weeks on the road. So it's going to be very interesting and very fun for me to do. And of course, last but certainly not least, two weeks the one-year anniversary of Radio Irregardless. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to that. That show may start a little late, and that's a totally different subject. 
but my short stories are coming together. They are fully produced. Um, and it's going to be like an audiobook on uh, on Radio Regardless. And I've got, uh, I think, two. Two of them definitely um, going to be on. So, And then I'm going to do some best of. I mean, I'd love to have some people call in. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to that show. So that is being said, we now move on. Uh, now, hopefully you enjoy the Happening Now segment. Now, hopefully you'll enjoy this week in movie history. That sounded like it was underwater. <laughs> what the hell happened there? Oh, my goodness. I've really got to prep more than six seconds to this show. So hopefully by the one-year anniversary, I will totally... It, I almost got away with a technically perfect perfect show last week, and that didn't happen. And then, of course, I started this one <laughs> glitchy. So I got two weeks to do a te- technically perfect show. But coming up in this week in movie history, uh, where I go through the movie history um, for this whole entire week, in 1057... King Macbeth of Scotland is slain by Malcolm Canmore. Um, technically a movie and technically a short story. And if you can't guess it, here you go. Dapple, dapple, hoy and shovel, fire burn and golden bubble. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. That's where it's all from. Yes, Macbeth, correct. Um, and that's where it actually comes from. Those are the witches of Macbeth, which um, which apparently, as an actor, I'm never supposed to say the name of. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not supposed to say the word Macbeth in a theater. It's supposed to be bad luck, and they do all these you know superstitious bullshit things. And I don't subscribe to that. You're supposed to call it the Scottish play. Blow me. So, in this week in 1938, <clears throat> excuse me. Sergeant Pepper leaves his musical instruments in the town of Heartland. In the town of Heartland, he left his musical instruments. These instruments have the power to make dreams come true. No, it's not yellow summer. They remained in Heartland's care. Humanity would live happily forever after. No, it's not Yellow Submarine. What the hell is that? That's from, I just said what it was. Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band uh, was uh, in the movie, which is a terrible movie. I tried to sit through it, and it's im-fucking-possible to watch it. This week in movie history, 1980, Tony Montana earns his green card and a job by killing Rubigna. I kill a communist for fun, but for a green card... I'm going to carve him up real nice. Yeah. Anyone know that movie? I'll let you play with that one for a while. This week in movie history, Rocky loses a boxing match to Clubber Lang. Rocky Three is correct. And it keeps going. And of course, that's the same day that uh, his uh, his manager Mickey died, uh, which was very tragic. 
It's fucking movies, relax. This week in 1999, Andy Davis discovers Woody's torn arm and doesn't want to play with him anymore. Hey, Woody, did you miss me? Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. Ride up, cowboy. Correct. Oh, Which one? I forgot. You're broken. I don't want to play with you anymore. Which Toy Story was that? Come on, Brendan, you got it. Come on, you're a big boy. Put in your big boy pants. No, Kim Santo got it right by Toy Story 2. Deuce. Due. <laughs> this week in movie history in 2003, Julia bones a duck, which I think is a funny phrase in itself, cooking the 500th and final recipe from Julia's cookbook. Julia Child, bon appetit. Before she changed the world, Julia Child was just an American living in France. Shouldn't I find something to do? What is it that you really like to do? Eat. And we are so good I at it. Look at you. Now, <laughs> growing in front of you. All right, that was actually the movie Julia, uh, Julia and Julia, which. <laughs> Julia Gulia. No, it was Julie and Julia is what that movie was. And in this week in movie history, 2011, the wedding of Edward Edward Cullen to Isabella Swan. Oh, and believe me, I had to sit through this freaking clip. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here on this glorious day to witness the union of Edward Cullen and Bella Swan. Yeah, I just said that. Please repeat after me. Oh, please. I, Edward Cullen. Hold on a second. Hold hold on a second. Brendan got Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1. What the fuck just happened in my life that Brendan knows? Brendan, have you? Yeah. Why do you know that? I'm sorry. I know that. (laughs) I had to sit through the clip. And now you do. Take you, Bella Swan. Now you have to. Take you, Bella Swan. Bella Swan. Okay, fuck it. I can't do it again. I really can't. I cannot do it. I thought I could. I had to sit through the one clip. I don't want to do it again. And of course, this week in movie history, 2145, Grace dies on the planet Pandora. Avatar is correct, Kim Santo. Oh, wait, 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 yeah, we get it, we get it. Oh, wait, wait, yeah. Jake. Yeah, and then she dies. Okay, scene. There we go. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is this week of movie history. And now um, we're going to go, you haven't, what? You actually haven't seen it? Well, you better see it because the second one's coming out and it's going to be probably as 3D-ish or 4D-ish as the first one. But uh, since we had so much fun last week playing this game, let's play it again because my guest is going to call in soon enough. So let's play. We are offering a free sample. Take the challenge today. Take the challenge. This is a free sample game where I play you a song that we all know and love, and then I let you know that you knew and loved it before because they stole it. Perhaps you remember this little ditty. Oh, you're looking sweet, baby. Just chatting if you know it. We were born a dance floor, shaking our bag to a funky beat with a go-go swing. Everyone was watching, they finished. 
All right, since you're not guessing, I'm just going to tell you. That was uh, Salt and Pepper. It was It's Your Thing. No, not It's Your Thing. It's actually Shake Your Thing. Uh, and uh, EU actually uh, guest spotted, uh, guest spotted, guest uh, vocaled on that particular track. But did you know that's, a, of course, you probably know that that song was actually mostly borrowed from the Isley Brothers. It's Your Thing. Oh, it is. Do what you wanna do. I can't tell you. Yeah, you guessed it in reverse. You did. You guessed it in reverse. So if you put um, Salt and Pepper's Shake Your Thing with the Isleys Brothers' It's Your Thing, you get It's Your Thing. Shake it. We were born to dance, we were shaking our thing to a funky beat with a go-go swing. Everyone was watching, they did it shot. Amazed at how Salt and Pepper was rock in the place with a smile on our face. Some got upset and they try to bang. They called us nasty, said we did dirty. Clean, we were freaks, she even flirty. Pepper got picked and pulled out of pump. I was all set not to Are you ready for it? Spin broke it up and asked not to break. Said they don't understand the way you all yeah so that's that now um you guys may know this song this song come out a little uh couple years ago by the fountains of wayne if you know it sing it together Yes, that's Stacy's mom by Fountains of Wayne. And if you listen real close, you actually know where they stole it. It's from a, a Boston band uh, called The Cars. Perhaps you've heard of it. My Best Friend's Girl. Oh, oh, now it's hitting you. Now you're figuring shit out. Right. And when you put the Fountains of Wayne, Stacy's mob... Stacy's mom and the cars, my best friend's girlfriend. You get Stacy's best friend's mom. Yeah, Kim, it's freaking you out, huh? You ready? Here it comes. Yeah. Motherfucker, there you go. <laughs> I live for these moments. I really do. <laughs> so that's how that comes together. Yeah, mother. No shit. No shit. Here's another song, and I gotta go quick because my guest is gonna call in. Um, Jennifer Lopez. I know we featured her in the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, you must remember this one. Jennifer Lopez and the song "Get Right." Dancing to these songs is like the only exercise I get most of the time. So. <laughs> so Jennifer Lopez actually sampled this song from a song from, uh, I believe it was 74. A song called Soul Power 74 by Maceo and the Max. Shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
song was not featured on Sounds Like Sax to Me. Oh, oh shit, there it is. And when you put them together, Jennifer Lopez, Get Right, and Maceo and the Max, Soul Power 74, you get Get Power. That's how that puts together. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, moving right along, Christina Aguilera. <laughs> Christina Aguilera. Um, you might remember this song, uh, Ain't No Other Man. Do your thing, honey. I feel it from the start. Couldn't stand to be apart. Something about to come out. Something moved me deep inside. No other man. Let's get here we go. Here we go. So that is Ain't No Other Man. Now, she actually sampled that from another band, uh, an older band, but known as the Mighty Showstoppers. And the name of the song was Hippie Skippy Moonstrut. If I had theme music, this would be it. So happy like a game show. That is the uh, mighty showstoppers. And when you combine Christina Aguilera's "Ain't No Other Ain't No Other Man" and the mighty showstoppers' "Hippie Skippy Moon Strut." You got Ain't No Other Hippie Moon. <laughs> this is a They both come together, ladies and gentlemen. And finally, last but certainly not least, you might remember this song. This song was featured in a couple movies. One of the movies was actually called Wreck It Ralph. This was Rihanna. Shut up and drive. Of course, you remember that song. This is a really obscure reference, though. They actually sampled part of the song by a band from the 80s, New Order, a song called Blue Monday. And when you hear the mix, you're going to freak the fuck out. This is New Order, Blue Monday. And everybody only knows the opening, the first words. 
<laughs> First person to type it in. Ready? Come on. How does it feel? Come on. Type it in. That's all everybody knows. <laughs> so when you combine Rihanna Shut Up and Drive and New Orders Blue Monday, you get Shut Up and Blue Monday Drive. <laughs> now shut up and drive. Oh, it'll come back full circle. should blow your mind for a few more minutes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. And when we come back, uh, you are actually did uh, Blue Monday. Yes, totally different Blue Monday by the doors. Uh, when you, we come back, you are going to get to listen to my uh, amazingly funny guest, Dave Radigan. You might have listened. Uh, you might have noticed the name of this particular show, and it's Dave Will O'Radiganly Be Funny. So... It's the best I can do. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia, and we will be right back. This is Ebenezer Scrooge, and if you're visiting Salem this holiday season, then come in and see me in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, presented by the Salem Trolley and the Griffin Theater. This humorous interactive performance reanimates the Dickens classic. Experience A Christmas Carol with a twist on the Salem Trolley as the holiday tale is brought to life. Tickets are on sale now. Go to SalemTrolley.com and click the special tours link. This is Ebenezer Scrooge wishing you all a humbug. Feltman, and uh, there's no reality TV on worth watching on Wednesday night, so uh, listen to Radio Irregardless with Mark Scalia. To leave a question or comment, call the Radio Irregardless hotline at 978-219-9294. And you're back at Radio Regardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia, and joining me via the phone line, Mr. Dave Radigan. Dave, say hello to my listening audience, if you would. Hello, listening audience. See, that's hey, Mark. All. How are you, Dave? Oh, uh, you know. You know how I am. I... Fact. <laughs> Things have not gotten any better. No? No. What's, what's, what's troubling you, Bunky? Well, as you know, it's all about bathrooms tonight. Yeah, it's all about bathrooms. Yes, we had talked. Uh, we had talked a little bit uh, before we got in the show, and uh, it's an interesting dilemma. If you'd like to um, explain to my listening audience, <laughs> I've got. Here's what I do. I have, as you know, I'm a comedian, and I have a couple of other things that I do. One of which is that I I run a little, a very small booking company, and if somebody has some 
something like, um, you know, I get a call from Kansas City and the guy says, you know, I have a couple of Irish comedians coming to Kansas City and they were going to do a show in Boston and it fell through and I need somebody to put something together in two weeks. Can you do that for me? You probably won't make any money and it'll be a lot of work. And it's a dumb <laughs> yeah. And that's, so when I hear things like that, I can't help it. I can't help it, but I want to get involved. Oh, really? You want to be sadomasochist? Go right ahead. I don't know. Maybe I thought I could make a little money, but I, eh, maybe I make a little money. Who knows? It'll be a good time. It'll help these guys out. But Joe Rooney, who's a great Irish comedian, is, uh, and I mean a great Irish contemporary comedian. So if you're our our age and you want to go see a good comedian, you'd go see this guy, Joe Rooney. He's coming over with this guy, Andrew Stanley, who I don't know, but I suspect he's very good, too, because, uh, as you know, the Irish comedy scene is very good. They're doing a show for me at the Burren on uh, Wednesday, August 27th. Oh, of course, big Irish. They're flying in. And so when I was kind of making the arrangements and trying to figure out how to how to do it, I, uh, I got a quick quote on a two-bedroom suite. At least I thought I did, but I didn't. I actually got a quick quote on a one-bedroom, on a one-bedroom hotel room, which is, which is, uh, and you know, things like that. The expenses had to add up. So I'm thinking to myself: first of all, somebody comes from Ireland, Mark. Where do you put them? Do you put them at the at the airport because they've got to fly out in two days? Yeah. Or do you put them in Boston proper, or do you put them in Davis Square if they're playing the Byron, which is at Davis Square? Yeah. I uh, I basically so I went back and forth. I said, "Look, you know, I think you guys might like the Byron. Well, uh, there's no hotels there, but there's a bed and bed and breakfast. And I found this great bed and breakfast, and I found this great room, and it's right in the price range, and it, everything about it is perfect, except for the fact that there's one bedroom. Yeah, I mean, sorry, two bedrooms, one bathroom, and the bathroom is in one of the bedrooms." <laughs> I don't mean like, you know, you walk in and there's a stall and then there's a bed. Oh, Jesus Christ. What's this fucking tub doing in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> That's... Well, you know, it's funny. I almost want to say to him, you know, you're from Ireland. I saw Tom Cruise in that movie. Oh, it's just... fine. Yeah, that was 200. <laughs> that movie's like 150 years yeah. since set in the past. <laughs> I'm sure they have plumbing in Ireland. <laughs> oh, man. And, they, and these guys, so I'm... I'm going back and forth. The poor guy who runs who who, who runs the BMP, you know, it's it's a uh, it's busy time of the year for the BMPs. Yeah. And uh, and I'm checking around for other other deals down in Davis Square, and there uh, there's not a lot there's not a lot of opportunity. You know, right. Not a lot of BMPs there, and um, so I've called the guy like three times, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, can I can I can you hold it for me just for a day? What do you can What I, do you mean hold not going to the bathroom? No, no, I've asked the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked the two comedians. See, I don't know what the relationship is. Right. Between, like, for example, let's say this. Let's say you're going to, uh, what, what I hear you say, you're going to Ottawa? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to Ottawa. All right, let's say, and you know, some of the places that, that we get we get put into as comedians are places that you would not want to put your worst enemy. Yeah, it's like a hostel without the friendliness. Yeah, right. <laughs> or it's a like, hostel being hostile. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, you can turn the lights off when you go to sleep, but you know the. the but I wouldn't. The, the, yeah, you won't be able to see the rap. <laughs> um, I I had a place that I actually had was, and I was sending people, and I went out and I did the first one, and I said, and they said, well, you know, the money wasn't that good. It was a theater, and I said, is there a? Um, I said, is there any kind of a, you know, is you know the money kind of low? Is there any kind of accommodations? And uh, the woman, the person says, "Oh yeah, yeah, we've got a, we've got a bed, we've got a bed right here. You can put people up overnight right here in the theater." And you know what they meant by that? No. They had a bed in the theater 
<laughs> they actually meant we have a yeah. bed in the theater. <laughs> My bed was overlooking a a working sink. Well, at least you don't have to. There's not a huge commute to go <laughs> to do the jump. <laughs> right. Yeah. Between shows, you can you can catch uh, you can catch a little nap oh, on the other funny. side of a uh, bath bathroom curtain. It was really <laughs> funny. It was clean. It was it was very clean. It was a it was a it was a um, it wasn't a, it was quiet. It was a nice place to stay. <laughs> I'm in this theater all by myself. I'm thinking to myself, I could be scared. Damn, Jesus, you know, you, you, when you have to go to the bathroom, you got to go to the men's room and the ladies' room, or <laughs> men's room, I guess. If there's but one, you, yeah, you'd use the regular bathrooms that are in the theater themselves. You know, and I'm padding from the, you know, I'm padding naked from the from the from the bed to the bathroom, going through the through the theater, thinking yeah. to myself, boy, I hope there's not a security camera somewhere. Yeah, we're concessions. Oh, great, but security would, security guy floating around with a flashlight, going, "Hey, what are you doing?" Yeah. Just but but anyway, so back to Davis Square. So I've called this poor guy three times. I've got I've got emails to the guys in Ireland because again I don't know the relationship. As you know, if you were going to go with somebody you you were friendly with, you know, yeah, it buddies, might be a little different. And, and when you go, but you know, if it's somebody you don't know or if it's somebody you don't particularly like, I mean, you know, you right. might like them enough to work with them, but you don't necessarily want them crawling over your, you know, crawling through your bedroom to get to the to the bathroom. Right. Or it might be the kind of guy who. Who, you know, you'll go to bed. He'll go to bed. He'll lock his door. You can't get to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> or he might have. So, he might have company in there. He might have company. That's another thing. Yeah. yeah. So you, there's all kinds of um, strange possibilities uh, with this situation, and it could be. Hey, it could be that they're great mates, and it's not a big deal. And absolutely, give him a nice, homey little spot. Well, you know, the other dilemma is if you do go that route, who gets the room with the bathroom attached? The headliner or the I, opener? I, well, well, I think the headliner. Well, it, right, but then you're going to want that privacy and, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. Suppose yeah. he's in there and he's, you know, he's having a good time with one of the, you know, one of the Somerville locals. This and this guy game. goes, hey, I got to go right through. I got to take a pass. Right. Oh, exactly. We And, and the thing is, the show is at the Byron. So right. You know, and there's a show after it. There's a Boston. Uh, know, it's yeah. a regular, we, we do a regular show with Boston guys every Wednesday at mm. 10. So these guys are going to do their show, hang out with the Boston guys. You know they're gonna to drink too much. Uh, what? They to go back to their room. What? I, I, <laughs> Irishmen drinking too much? Uh, Don't happens. go spreading rumors. <laughs> well, you know something. For all I know, there could be as as you know, Mark. Everybody in our business is on one side or the other. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's either yeah. yeah well, yeah. There's nobody uh, yeah. who rides this. Nobody. Well, I ride the line fairly well. I mean, I drink. You know, there but, are a few guys. Yeah, there are but, a few guys. yeah. I get you. And by the way, I want to get to I want to get to the idea of normal comedians in a minute. But um, <laughs> good luck with that. But uh, the other part of it is that this is the, so, such a funny thing. The last time I, I called this guy, like I said, I called the, the innkeeper, and then I sent an email to the guys, and then I called the innkeeper. <laughs> the innkeeper. Said, is there any other bathroom that these guys could use, like a public, you know, like a bathroom in the hall that the, you know, no, no, those are assigned to the guests. And, um, <laughs> and by the way, for the third time I called the guy, the guy goes, goes uh, yeah, he goes, uh, that's all the information. You can register online. <laughs> Oh, he didn't want to talk to you anymore. Which is a nice, nice way of saying, leave me alone. Uh, this will be booked by tomorrow. Well, Dave, I will I will tell you this. You know, we're talking about uh, Irish comics coming in. I actually did a little research on your name because I, I was not sure because we've never really gone over your origin or uh, your your um, your heritage. I'll tell, what, I'll tell you my origin story. My well, origin uh, story is I was walking through an alley. My parents were killed by a, uh, by a hoodlum. Oh. Uh, I was scared by bats. And, uh, I'm sorry. Really? Yeah. <laughs> It's the, oh, that's the origin movie, and uh, your your name really is Ben Affleck. 
Um, my, uh, my origin story. But no, actually, I researched your last name, and I don't know if you know Maybe you do, because it's your last name. Your last name, Radigan, R-A-T-T-R-I-G-A-N, yep. is actually a derivative. It's an Irish name, which I did not know. Um, yep. It's But it's been Americanized, which you can, variations, or you lose one of the T's, or right. you change that uh, to an... Change a, it, uh, do you throw an H in there? You uh, right. put a in there for, for instead of the two T's. But the, the original form of your name is, and this is why the show, the, the name of the show is uh, Dave Reach, Reach for a Comedy Again or something. It's O Rich Tagen. R E A C H T A G A with a little line above it, I N, uh, which means you're a descendant of Reach Tagen. Or Tagen. Uh, Reach, Reach Tagen, uh, which is a personal name for a diminutive. Or reach tear a steward or administrator of the rect. Did you know that? Of the what? Of the rect. So it's uh, basically you're a keeper of the church. That's what your name. That's what your name means. Uh, so your this name is a uh, is uh, this is the name of the and I did research. It's elastical, Eles, Eliza tickle. I think it's called. Of or relating to a church, especially as an established in, in institution. So wow. that's so you were your name actually means steward of erect or law. So you're the rectaire. Now, did you find that the name Reardon also came um, also has similarities to um, Reardon is uh, I do I didn't see that, but there the form of Radigan is only three different forms. And Radigan would be R-I-D-I-G-A-N-R-I-T-I-G-A-N and R-I-T-T-A-G-I-N. These are all derivatives of the same, but not O'Reardon. Oh. But it's reach, reach tag, it's R-E-A-C-H-T-A-G-A-I-N. And it's O-Reach-Tagen. Oh. So there you, you learn go. something new every day. From the original Gaelic. What I learned was that you can make up a lot of interesting things when you get a lot of time. <laughs> I had almost no time. But since you were talking about the Irish, I wanted to go into that. But you're, and I actually put this on the chat line um, that uh, you would say you book stuff as well. I put down Scamps Comedy. That's your booking. Now tell me why Scamps. What's, what's the significance? Scamps was like Rascals. Yes. I thought this would be a nice little thing. It's like Rascals. I was looking for a name that wasn't. At the time, there seemed to be a little run on chuckle, you know, derivatives <laughs> of giggles, chuckles, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, it's like, uh, you know, when Laugh Boston opened, uh, I think like the very next day, somebody went out and trademarked, uh, you know, uh, Laugh New England, which I thought was a little, <laughs> little bit derivative. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just didn't want to be derivative, but I thought, well, scamps, you know, little scamp, little rascal. That sort of thing. Nice. I didn't think of the fact that it was scam with a P. No <laughs> business for me. It's scam with a P. It's scam PS comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scam PS. It's a scam and PS. We don't think of any money. And your website, I actually put that down. People can reach you on Facebook and Twitter and your website, DaveRadigan.com and Scamps Comedy, of course, if they want to book a show through you. Um, yep. But how long have you been at Comedy, Dave? Uh, officially. It was 36 and I'm 55, so 19 years. Good for you. Oh, my goodness. 19 yeah. years. I was too old when I started. <laughs> I'm still too old. Here we all are. 
and uh, I just refuse to admit that uh, that I can't succeed at this business, <laughs> despite despite all evidence. Well, there's different levels of succession, so <laughs> yeah, there's there's success. Yeah, I mean, levels of success. I mean, how many guys do you know your age that are booking two Irish comics at a at a bed and breakfast and that won't talk to them in Somerville? How many people do? You- <laughs> with one bathroom. It's a very specific demographic, and especially... <laughs> very, yeah, very few people have that opportunity. Very few. Yeah. So you are breaking new ground with that. Yeah. And uh, actually, uh, uh, we, we have a clip playing up a little bit later, but um, we're... Uh, I mean, your act is... I, now, I, I love your act. We've worked together for years, and you have a very... You have an interesting way, and I think it's... Uh, I think you've been, say, kind of deadpan almost in your, yep. in your delivery of jokes. Um, heard that. And you're... You're kind of like this sarcastic cynic, I would I've heard say. That. Um, Ray, and uh, Ray Romano-esque. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, a little Ray Romano. Not just well, you don't you don't sound like you're right. You know, maybe. but yeah, you're very sarcastic, uh, sarcastic, and uh, very, <laughs> very kind of uh, very specific. Dry. I don't want to say dry because it's well, maybe dry would be. I've heard that. Yeah, I think dry would be, but you, you, you if more. See, I think dry. One of the things you go, oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah. you, and you, a lot of times that's what audiences do. <laughs> and then at other times it's like, ah, I don't get it. <laughs> so, what was your, uh, what was your first time like on stage? My very first time on stage. Yeah. Do you remember your first time on stage? I do. Oh, very well. What very was your well. name? I- what was I, her name? I'm, I'm sure that you've, uh, if you ask these questions, I'm sure that you get this. I think every comedian should be able to tell you about his or her first time on stage and the first time they bombed. And the rest of it may blur together. <laughs> but I think those two moments uh, stand out for people. Sometimes so, they're the same night. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. A lot of times. And sometimes they're... you have no idea. I mean, right. there are some guys who probably have no idea that they've been bombing for, for you know, 10 months. Ain't nobody tells them. Nobody's told them. It's like, good job, man. Good job. Great, well, great, great job. You're buying beers again. Yeah, you know, you know, you try to encourage. You try to encourage the uh, the young people. <laughs> you you tell everybody good set. I actually, uh, yeah, I actually think I do. I think when somebody doesn't have a great set, I'll just say uh, I'll comment on the jokes that I thought were funny, and and the rest of them I'll leave them be. So yeah. hold on a second. My wife just walked in the door. You all right, honey? Okay, I heard a great big bang. Sorry. Okay. Podcast is this. You're stopping a honey, you okay? Hold on, I gotta take in some groceries. Yes. <laughs> That's why this is live. I don't do this, there's a guy who uh my wife took a course. She had to she had to uh recertify for uh, real estate. Okay. And there is an online course that you could take in which the guy basically it's a it's the thing real realtors have to take to recertify and this guy basically has himself in front of his camera. Uh, or in front of his, uh, yeah, I guess his, his <laughs> videotaping himself. He's videotaping himself reading from the manual. And you have to basically sit there and listen to him read from the manual. And then every so often you touch your computer to to, to let it know that you're still online, that you're still there paying, you know, theoretically paying attention. Really? And uh, and she said a couple of times the guy would get up <laughs> with no explanation. He would get up, leave, come back, and just resume <laughs> reading. And it was a, a, approximately the amount of time it would take a person to go to the bathroom and come back. Okay. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I hold it. I hold it. Yeah. I, I, I share a bathroom. Pro. I share a bathroom with an opener, so I have to wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've got a yeah, exactly. If you're if you're a good headliner, you'll be able to hold it 
for the entire uh, yeah, and then com- and then complain to the booker. That's right, exactly. So, so you know, I had to share a bathroom with this guy, and he locked the door. So, <laughs> I had to pee in the sink, and there was no sink. So yeah. So your first uh, time on stage, Dave? My first time on stage, Bob Gottrell was teaching a class in at the Cambridge Center for Adult Education, and I took the class, and for the first. Four or five classes, I was afraid to even get up. Really? Group. Oh, yeah, I was really shy. And uh, and then I finally did, and I got some laughs and then uh, in front of the class, you know, 10 people. And then I went up and I did it again and did it again and did it again. And by the, the night of the show, I was I was good. And I was uh, at a great set. Of course, when you do classes, if they're done well, and this one was, the... People who come are there to support you, or support everybody. And so, you know, let's say, uh, you know, my people have heard about, oh, these guys are great, and they're all trying, trying really hard, and, you know, you you want to be really supportive of them. And, and, and what, what we did is we were one woman, I do not remember her name. She no longer does comedy. She was funny. And she uh, brought about 35 people. Really? Yeah. And she went on last, and I went on second to last. And they were so nice to everybody. And I remember somebody. I remember sitting in the back, and Bob had a little a little technique that he would he would share. And he said, "You write down the last word of every punchline. You do a little bullet, and the last word of the punchline, little bullet. The last word of the punchline, little bullet. The last word of the punchline, and you you have that. And I, I don't know what he told us to do, but I what I did is I studied it and I put it in my back pocket. And uh, I remember in the back, I'm looking at it, and I had been rehearsing my act and rehearsing my act and rehearsing my act, and I'm standing there in the back, and I'm so nervous. I'm looking. Not only did I not know what the punch punchlines were, <laughs> what the words meant, <laughs> but, 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 one of my cl- but one of my classmates, I remember that she was a minister of some church in Lexington. I know it was some liberal liberal church. Uh, but she was very funny, and she went up to second or third or fourth, and she came back to me. And she says, she goes, you know, she goes, I was really nervous. She goes, but then you get up there, you get that first laugh, and it's awesome. Yeah. And she was exactly right. It was, you know, we had we had a, we had a great crowd, and I went up in the right spot, and I had the right set, and I have, uh, and I I taped, which was smart because as I then became a comedian and went through all the. You know, took all the body blows that you take. I was able to pull out that tape and play it once in a while to remind myself that you know some nights are pretty good out there. Yeah. Well, I actually. Oh, sorry. My wife is leaving now. What was your What was your first time? Uh, I actually played it. I actually audio taped it. Johnny Peasy uh, was hosting, and uh, I was uh, 24. I actually just celebrated celebrated my 24th year a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I actually was uh, at the comedy loft in Woburn a long time ago. So, but yeah, the first um, and Johnny actually commented on that. He said, "You know, you got up here, and he was very, you know, nice, and everybody was friendly." And he said, "You know, you get up here." He goes, "He's all nervous." Then he gets his first laugh, and he's like, "Oh, this is fucking easy." And I mean, that's <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's like you're so terrified, and then you get that first laugh, and you're like, "Oh, that's what this is supposed to feel like," and right. then you just do it. So. I was still terrified for the rest of the set. It was just I was enjoying my terror. It was sort of like being on a uh, on a ride at the uh, amusement park. 
Yeah, the first you're waiting for the first dip, and then after that, you're like, eh. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was fun. Now the first time you bombed, how how many times in? Uh, I was uh, I don't remember how many times exactly, but I think I was about uh, three months in, and things were like I was couldn't have a bad set. I mean, I was doing you know three, four, five times a week, and I think it was like one or two. Then there was this one room. And it didn't get as big. And then there was another room it didn't get as big. And then one room, and then it's like no laughs at all. And then after about three shows like that, I just went, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And it wasn't that I was not funny. I just was having, you know, the audience just wasn't digging the material. And I didn't know this at the time. And and I was like, I'm going to quit. I hate this. I don't want to do it anymore. And right. they, a couple guys said to me, they go, no, you should still do it. You're just having bad sets. It happens. And that's why... When a comic gets on stage and they suck, <laughs> I yeah. never tell them that they suck because you never know who's going to stop doing it, who could be amazingly funny or, you know, I, I mean, I, I remember there's all kinds of guys. I mean, you've been doing it almost 20 years. I've been doing it 24. There were guys that were doing it like five or six, seven years and then stopped doing it for no apparent reason. And they just dropped off the planet or guys that were not funny. And then you encourage them and then they got funnier. Billy Burr was one of those guys. Um, uh, let's see, Freddie Stone was one of those guys um, who was first. I've you know never seen him have a good set, and then you keep saying, "Keep on, keep on, keep doing it, keep doing it," and then boom, out of nowhere, like suppose somebody said to Billy Burr, "You know, you're not that funny." Because I, I remember when Billy wasn't that funny, when Billy was not having great sets. Same thing with Dane Cook. Same thing with um, uh, you know, Bobby Kelly. Same thing with um. What with about, Al, um, Aldel Benny. I heard that about Vinny. Vinny Favorito? That's what I heard. I heard Vinny was not very good. No, at first Vinny wasn't. Then he started doing more crowd work and writing. Like Vinny as a joke teller wasn't, you know, a joke writer wasn't overly great. But, you know, it's as a, you know, then he got, and he fell into it. Then you go, you know, you, you and just imagine if somebody, and that's why when I teach, whether I'm teaching stand-up or acting or directing or filmmaker or whatever, I never tell anybody they're bad at it. I just say that if you want to be good at it, you just keep doing it. And you got to learn, you got to learn, you got to learn, you got to learn. And if you love to do it, keep doing it. And it doesn't matter, you know, and do it until you don't want to do it anymore. So that's why I try to encourage people. No, I mean, certainly somebody at an opener level is not going to take my job. You know, by the time they're ready to take my job, I'll be dead. So it's not going to be You don't, you don't just do it to be a nice guy. Well, I do it to but be. You'll, an... But you'll but you'll code it. You'll code it. I mean, this is what I've heard some guys do. And I had, I, had uh, I know a guy, and um, I try to say something encouraging in all in all cases. Yeah. I don't try to lie to people if they've. Oh, I won't lie to you. I won't. I, I won't but lie to you. But it'll be a thing. It'll be the thing like, hey, I really like that joke, or or, or you know, yeah. you know, how to, how to slug up, you know, you know, how to how to hang in there. Because a lot of us do, as you know, they. Sometimes it isn't, as you said. Sometimes it's not you; it's them. Yeah, or you could have a bad. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of times. I mean, I think everybody who gets on a stage is trying to work something out, and whether it's you know you got bad wiring or whether you have got something to prove or whatever it is. Uh, here's the thing I want to talk about: the the Robin Williams. Ah, it brings up the whole sad clown mm-hmm. analogy. The sound. Oh, they're all. All comedians are sad clowns, blah, 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 blah. Which, frankly, I think some of us, and I know it's a, I know it's a, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a minority, 
and maybe it's a low minority, but some of us just came from big families, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. But I mean, when I, when I say, when I say, hey, get you on stage because something's not right, I mean right. that you get either something to prove or something to work out. I mean, I did it cause I'm a, I'm a middle child and I always thought it was funny and I wanted to be more popular. And that's why I got on stage. That's, well, I mean, right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to candy coat it. <laughs> I mean, that's why I got on stage. Let me tell you, I used to always see comedians. I used to always think they were funny. I used to think what a great job that would be to be able to get up there and make people laugh. Yeah. That's fantastic. But, you know, then, then you know, something like this, which is a horrible tragedy, but it's also that thing where it brings up that whole thing. And I've, and I've, I've heard it enough, and I, and I just, you know, somebody somebody asked my uh, my wife, they said, you know, does he have, does he have a dark side to him? And my wife just, perfect. She's just, you know, she said, he's not that funny. <laughs> not that good a comedian. Well, I I tell people, you know, I mean, even when they interviewed Robin Williams, they and they interview comics all the time. And comics are on when they're being interviewed, and that's why when somebody into when somebody talks to me, that's why I like this show because this show is me just being me. It's not me trying. It's not me. It's just me talking. That's what I want. So when right. when I have guests come on, I'm like, just talk. Let people know who you are, and that's fine. Um, but being a comic is just like any other job. Are you more prone to things? Of course you are. Just like acting is more prone or, you know, truck drivers are more prone or cab drivers are more prone or doctors are more prone. It, I mean, it's a demographic of whatever. But, there do seem to be a lot of show-offs in this business. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of insecurity because, you know, insecurity is what gets you on that stage for some reason. And I, I, I don't care what anybody says. You can go, no, no, no. I always just wanted to be funny. Why? Well, because well, now, you, my, now you have to prove you want to be funny. That's what now, it is. Now let, me, now let me get to the next thing. Sure. Because okay? as you know, being on stage is uh, fantastically fun. Mm-hmm. And if you're on for five minutes, it's great. If you're on for 10 minutes, it's great. If you're on for 30 minutes, it's better. And if you're on for 45 or longer, it's even better than that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and at the end, they hand you a check. <laughs> so the thing about this now, here's the thing I noticed. The, I mean, we've talked about it uh, among comics about how it's addictive, and it is addictive. Completely really addictive. Addictive. Yeah, sort of, completely. You know, what do you want to do today? Well, I can go, you know, I can go out to a movie. I can go to this. I can do this, or I can go on stage. Yeah. Oh, and you and and you have to do it. This is one of the other things. It's sort of like Jerry Seinfeld compares it to working out with with weights. If you're an athlete, you don't work out with weights. It's a it's a in in his mind, it's akin to being a comedian and not working out on stage. And mm-hmm. I didn't, we can see that. So I guess the question is, so we know that you've got to go to get on stage. We know that there's a kind of an addictive thing. We know that people are on all, all the time. We know they're always plumbing, you know, the, the, their minds for new, for new information. Do you think the comics get worse and more insecure and more whacked out the longer they do it? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, the chicken or is it egg? It's here's well. Here's my theory on it, and and I spent a lot of time thinking about a lot of different shit. Um, Yeah, I heard the the open. (laughs) (laughs) And and the thing about is is I stay in this business because of the humanity because I'm fascinated by uh, watching people and I'm fascinated by you know learning about myself through other people and experiences and things like that. My thing has been. If you look at normal evolution of a comic, comic gets on stage because something's broken, because something needs to be fixed, something needs to be proved. They get so on. You don't air. think that somebody can just go on stage because he's seen it and thought that's fun? 
Mm. You don't think that there's a percentage of people in our in our business who are just, you know, again, from a big family, middle child. I mean, that doesn't make you. Uh, yeah, but why then? Then why get on stage? It doesn't make you unique because you've seen how much fun it looks. If you saw when you were a kid, you probably saw um, Rich Little, yeah. Don Rickles. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Buddy Hackett. Well, Dick Van Dyke was my idol, so yeah. And Dick Van Dyke would have been a great one. Uh, and many, many other guys who were able to just stand up there. I never thought that looks fun. I thought I want to do that. Never thought that looked fun? I, I never thought to myself that looks fun. I thought to myself, I want to do that. Okay. Why did you want to do that? Because I wanted to do what that looked like. Your eight-year-old, your eight-year-old self. Mm-hmm. Looked at that and said, "I want to do that." Yeah, you know why your eight-year-old self wanted to do that? Because it looked fun. No, my eight-year-old self wanted to do that because my eight-year-old self wanted to be listened to. See, it's more than see. The surface is, yeah, I came from a big family, and and you know, uh, it was all fun and jokes in my house. But the reason you get on stage is because you want to stand out. You want to. The nature of what you do is being standing out, having people listen to you, power and control. That's what it is. Oh man! No matter this sounds, what, this no, sounds like this sounds like the psychology one on one piece that I read I'm, yesterday. On this. I'm telling you, I mean, yeah, you can do it because it's fun, but all those other things are in there too. And if you, I, I don't you know something, but I guess my question. I don't think ahead. they're the dominating force, but certainly they play in. They have to play in. It's part of it. But those are things that come along after you do it. Oh my God, no, Dave, come on. Well, to want to go on stage, you don't think that it can be just as simple as, I want to be funny because, you know, I'm good at it and I like to, I like the sound of laughter. If that was the case, then you'd never be afraid of doing it. Uh, I don't know. Uh. I think some people, I mean, let's, put it, let's face facts. We both know people who are not afraid at all of doing it who should be. <laughs> <laughs> At least the audience should be afraid of them doing it. <laughs> but I mean, we—I I don't know. I think that there were some normal people in this business. No, no, don't get me—don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about these. I'm not talking about an extreme. But it, I also—it's—it's—it's—it's okay. it's, there's subtleties that are mixed in with. I mean, when you say normal, there are there's normal, but there's 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 psychology that plays into it, no matter what. I mean, when you say, I just wanted to get up there because it was fun. Right. Then that means that you don't, then if that was the case, then you would only do it because it is fun and has and it has no other influence on other people. Well, you know something? When I, again, when I looked at these comics growing up from uh, the guys, uh, from the, you know, from the guys that I yeah. mentioned, Buddy Agachin, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of his last, last name, but... Foster uh, Brooks and Dean Martin and you watch all right. the roast. Yeah, all, my God. All of those guys. Well, yeah. I would see how good they, they were, and I thought that would be so much fun to be able to do that. And then I just would make jokes with my friends, and I would write funny stuff and all this stuff. Uh, you know, did I do it because I might might have wanted a little bit of attention? Maybe. But, I mean, you know, why did I play baseball? You know, did I do it because I wanted to get to, 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 attract, uh, to attract girls? Oh, it's in there. It's in there. That's why, you know, but, but isn't that why you play baseball? Isn't that the reason you pop a wheelie? Isn't that the, that's the reason you do. Yeah. The reason you do anything is for the reason you do anything. I mean, I don't know what specific reasons other people have, but let's just reverse engineer it. You see, you see Don Rickles on a Dean Martin roast and you think that's funny. 
So let's yes. just look at that for a second. You're looking at somebody going, wow, that's funny. I like what they're doing. I would like to do that too for whatever reasons. And that's all I'm saying. There are reasons. There right. are always reasons. And but some of those but reasons are... Can't, can't, the, can't, the, can't the prevailing reason simply be, that looks like it's fun. And that looks like something that other people can't do. I guess, I, I guess you'd have to describe to me something that looks fun. And I'd have to see if they now like like a hitting roller coaster. A base, hitting, a, hitting a baseball in the ninth inning. Hitting a baseball in the ninth inning of a, of a close game. Right, that's a control. That's that's I want to hit the winning home run to win the game. Oh man, <laughs> I'm telling you, and I'm not. No, no, don't get me wrong. It's not this overt thing where this. Oh my God, everybody's up to something. But, but it, you know, you know, you know the, you know the. Um, but you always got to know people you know, are motivated. You know the hypothetical question, by the way, that completely destroys my argument? What? Uh, do you have a sister? I do. All right. How many comics do you know? All right. And just say, say that there's not a big issue with age differential or anything like that. Yeah. How many comics do you know that you'd feel comfortable setting up with your sister? And that's when my entire argument falls apart. Well, <laughs> actually, my, here's the funny thing. My sister, my sister and bro, both my sister and brother were into acting. They did far more acting than I ever did. Oh, and then I started doing stand-up. Um, and then my sister at one point said she wanted to do stand-up. And this is me at like three or four years. And I said, no, you can't do stand-up because I do stand-up. And yeah. there was still an insecurity there. Yeah. And now if my sister wanted to do stand-up, it'd be like, go ahead. I don't care. Because I'm more comfortable about where I am personally and professionally. Right. And but what if like, she yeah. said she wanted to date? A stand-up comedian, and we'll just fill in the blank with, with any name. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could find ten acceptable names? N- not ten. Ten's impossible, Dave. Come on. How you... many comics do you know? Ah, uh, fucking, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, at least at least three or four hundred minimum. So, so these four hundred people, probably close to five or six hundred. Yeah. Okay, six hundred. You couldn't find ten. <laughs> no. Whether you assist, I know that's no, no. That's it's the not same problem. No, that's, that's, see, that's kind of a catch twenty two because I don't know a lot of comics. I'd like to hook up with my sister anyway. My first of all, my sister's married. Second of all, it's a, it's a mute argument. But I don't like my sister's a bag of you know, she's a fucking bag full of cats too. So it's it's <laughs> it's not <laughs> like you know, it's like hey, On a podcast yeah. to be preserved forever. On yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, you know, you're a, you're you're a spark, and here's some fucking gasoline for you. I mean, I wouldn't do that anyway. <laughs> But no, the the argument is. I mean, I I used to think comics were fucked up. I really did, and then I got used to it, and I'm like, yeah, comics are pretty fucked up. And then I started meeting actors, and I was like, oh my oh, god, yeah. at least oh, a yeah. comic can get up, you know, a few times a week and really work out anything, because that's what comics do. They work out their anger, they work out their their frustrations, they work out their depression. Most of the time, that's everybody works out something. You don't yep. just talk about stuff. You talk about stuff that either bothers you or you find entertaining, and you work out stuff. And comics can do that far more frequently than an actor can because an actor is, one, being somebody else. They channel all that stuff. And their own insecurities, they never have a chance to vocalize those. And then I started meeting actors. I'm like, holy shit, you're fucked beyond anything I can even describe. And oh, ironically, means- I fucking married an actor. So, which is <laughs> what's it say about me as a comic? <laughs> I was gonna say, I think I think it comes around. I think this is gonna be like a, we, what we need is a, a big, bald uh, psychiatrist, psychologist to sit down with uh, with you, with me, <laughs> Doctor Phil, work it all out. Get it but, all out. 
I got I did a, I did a sketch show uh, uh, for Bob Gutrell. I think this is safe. But Bob put together a sketch show, and he he had me doing a scene with an actress, and she was she was an actress, 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 and I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. Help <laughs> from this woman, and instead, I walked away thinking to myself, this she is she was such a such a big attitude, <laughs> and uh, you know she was pretty, but she was kind of repulsive. With her, with her, because of her attitude, personality, get you. It's very funny because now I, I look at I, I look at movies, you know, and I look at Julia Roberts in a movie, and I'm like, I bet she's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. It's it's. Uh, well, there's a ton of people like that. I mean, I've been on set a bunch of times, and you look at somebody, and go, oh, you know, I wonder if they're normal, and you know, people are normal to most, you know, extension, but. I mean, actors are just, I mean, because I've done some serious acting work as well, and it's its its dangerous to let somebody else borrow your emotions. Let's just say that. And I'm yeah. not surprised that a lot of actors are, you know, you hear these fights or squabbles or stuff like that, but it's a very difficult thing to let another person, even the person you're portraying, borrow who you are and borrow your shit, and then to get... You know, it, it's delicate. You're asking a human being to replicate human behavior on purpose and very deliberately. And there's, a, I mean, it's a minefield. It can be a total minefield, whether you're normal or not. It's just, I mean, I've had I've had tough times, and I think I'm a pretty well-adjusted person. I mean, I get my moods just like anybody else, but it's just, it's just, it's just fucked. I don't. <laughs> it's just fucked up. But by I'll tell you, we're done. by the time we're done, you're going to be in tears. You're no, be, I'm fine. I know, I know, yeah. Actually, no, so I'm going to save it. I won't go to tears. I'm going to go to break. <laughs> so, <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our second break. When we come back, we're going to have Dave Radigan uh, play a a very a very funny game. And as you know, Dave's kind of a he's kind of a peacemaker. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. You are listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. We'll be right back. Good morning, America. This is Katie Couric here. All of you know that I used to work on the Today Show and was always in your homes early in the morning getting you ready for the day with your coffee. Please stop calling me Katie Couric. It's got a G and a K. I'm Katie Couric with a C. So, effing coffee, stop calling. This is Jody Sloan, and I am listening to Radio Irregardless. And uh, honestly, the games were really stressful for me. I'm taking a little Razapam so I can sleep tonight. You know what? I don't even know if I recommend this show. If you have any kind of anxiety disorder, um, yeah, don't. Don't even bother. To leave a question or comment, call the Radio Irregardless hotline at 978-219-9294. And we're back at Radio Air Regardless. And I was just telling uh, Dave Radigan, Jody Sloan was having a panic attack during the games. He goes, really? I go, yeah. I think the game we're about to play. So. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard about any game. No. The- yeah, we're going to play a quick game because uh, my listening audience has been listening to our wonderful debate. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're very... Not, they're, not, they're not listening. No. They're, they're telling you they're listening. Of course they are listening. The you know, some, if, if they're on, they're considered listening. So... <laughs> So, Dave, I'm going to play a game with you, and it's called... Are you threatening me? (laughs) (laughs) 
are you threatening me? Where I actually play a segment, a, a, a snippet, a soundbite from a movie of somebody threatening somebody else, and you have to guess that movie. Now, these movies are not Boston-based. They're just movies in general. Uh, the movies span, let's see, uh, fairly recently to going back uh, t- maybe 20 years. So Really? Yeah. And you know something funny? Oddly enough, I, I, I have uh, a certain expertise in this. I um, actually did a paper on this in college on uh, <laughs> movie threats and silent movies. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you, Dave. You're playing against my listening audience, and the listening audience is only the people on Mixler. And currently, we have four. Unless you're that, go- are you that guest? Are you that person? No. I, I don't know how to do two things at once. That's- <laughs> All right. So we have four people and guest. Uh, this is just an anonymous person says guest. Guest, you can actually type in things as well. But you're playing against Brendan, Kim, and Karen, and guest. Now I will tell you, as I've told all my guests. My audience is ruthless, and you think if I have nothing to do, these people collectively have the IQ of 6.7 billion. And, <laughs> and a matter of fact, one of my listeners, Kim Santo, has just cracked her knuckles in anticipation of this game. Wow. So, yeah, they're bad. So you only have five, so the best you can do is all five. Um, the advantage you have is that you and I are speaking live, and the listening audience is listening through a partial internet delay. It could be anywhere Five between, seconds. yeah, it could be anywhere three to ten seconds, actually, depending on their, um, uh, depending on their um, their connection. So, if you get a right answer, I'll play you a correct sound. If you get a wrong answer, I will play you an incorrect sound. So, Dave Radigan, are you ready to tackle the radio air regardless I'm, listening I'm, audience? I'm, I'm ready to go. So, I've got five seconds before your your audience. Google's the correct answer and then types it in. <laughs> they no, believe me, they don't need to. They, they don't do? the amount of no, they don't Google, they don't Shazam, they are fucking nightmarish when it comes to shit like this. Wow. Like I'm good at it. And here's what I'm gonna do on my and I'll put this out to my listening audience. I actually I would I'm trying to figure out a way that you can challenge me on these same games, but it's impossible because if you sent me a link, then I play the link and blah blah blah. So okay. they'd have to email me the clip or something like well, you're that. Gonna, you're gonna play this and I'm gonna tell you the name of the movie it's from. All you got to do is tell me the name of the movie. Yes, I can help you a little bit with the actor or the character. But and, it's, it's, and are they not Boston-based or, or are they not necessarily Boston-based? They are not necessarily Boston-based, but they're all famous movies. They're not very obscure references there. It's not like you go, hey, what's going on? It'd be something like if I said to you a... Um, so I'm funny? If I said, hey, how? leave the gun, take the cannolis. Yep. I'm funny, Godfather. funny how, you know, that is, kind of thing. Is it, is it Godfather 1 or Godfather 2? Uh, that was in Godfather One. Take the, and that was the famous scene. That was the famous scene. Yes. Okay. So this is from the actual movie. So Dave, you ready? Because these they're, they're all ready to go. All right, here we go. Here's your first one. You make one more drug deal, and I'll forget your grandmother was so nice to me. I'll cut your fucking nuts off. You understand that? <laughs> I'll play it again. You yep. make one more drug deal, and I'll forget your grandmother was so nice to me. I'll cut your fucking nuts off. You understand that? Anything? Pretty sure that's uh, Willy Wonka. No. <laughs> Close. This movie was actually filmed in Boston. Oh, uh, 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 The Departed. The Departed. The audience has not guessed it, and you have, so you get this. I bet you do all kinds of right. You have, so Dave Radigan <laughs> won. The audience, oh, Kim Santo now put it in. Yep, but Kim, you're a little late to the draw. Dave Radigan. That's one damn delay, she says. <laughs> Here's your second one. And tomorrow we come back and we cut off your Johnson. Excuse me? I said we cut off your Johnson! 
play it again. Oh. And tomorrow we come back and we cut off your Johnson. Excuse me. I said we cut off your Johnson. <laughs> and is that the hangover? It is not the hangover, but Kim Santo uh. beat you. It is the big Lebowski. Uh, when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. Was that 20 years ago? That movie was close to 20 years. Yeah, had to be. All right. So, so far, audience won. Radigan won. Here comes the third one. I don't give a damn who you are. This is America, Jack. Now, you say one more word about Lisa here, and I'm going to break my foot off in your royal ass. (laughs) Classic movie. Oh, man. I know it, too. This is the first one I've, I've actually known. Uh, and John Amos actually delivered that line. Uh, all right, uh, Le- uh, uh, Lethal Weapon. No, uh, John Amos. Oh, John Amos from uh, from uh, Good Times. Good Times. Yes, he delivered the he delivered that line to James Earl Jones. Oh man! Still no answer from the audience. Uh, um, Eddie Murphy played the lead of the movie. Oh, you're killing me. Really? If the audience doesn't get this now, you're fucked. Hold on. Nick Dolte. Nope. Eddie Murphy. Nope. I'll play it again. I don't give a damn who you are. You lost. This is America, Jack. Now you say one more word about Lisa here, and I'm going to break my foot off. Oh, coming to America. Coming to America, but Kim Santo has beaten you again. That's two for Kim. I knew it. Kim, Kim was Googling. She, I know. She, I don't you. care, but, but Karen and Brendan and guests <laughs> should be PO'd. Okay, she's Googling. All right, here we go. Third, uh, fourth Isn't one. to Ron Santo? No, it's uh, Ron Santo. No, no. She All doesn't. Right. Is it Santo or Santos? Santo. Yeah, Santo, I, like Ron yeah. Santo. Well, I was making the mistake for a while calling her Santo. Well, yeah, ask, her. Like... ask her if she's any kind of relation. Kim, Santos can well, you can ask her. She's listening. She said no. Right. She's not related. Does she right. wish she was related to Ron Santo? I don't know who Ron Santo is. He was the third baseman for the Cubs. If you if you had a baseball bat, no in a certain certain area, you would have seen his name written on it. Okay. All right. Here's the ahead. here's the fourth one. Here we go. I swear, my fucking mother! If you touch her again, you're dead. Give <laughs> that one more time. Mother, if you touch her again, you're dead. Oh. <laughs> Brendan got you on that one. Uh, is that Tomer and Louise? No, <laughs> no, what was it? That would be good fellas. Good fellas, yeah. That's when Ray Liotta is beating the shit out of the guy with the revolver yep. because he talked to her. That, oh. that movie, that scene, I act actually after the third one, I went, Jesus Christ, dude, that's enough. And I'm Sicilian. i do want to point out that these could be turned up just a little bit more for for, oh uh, all right so i'll turn that up here you go here's the last one very difficult excuse but there's my excuse okay everybody came up two to two to one over brendan and myself uh yeah the audience has three and you have two so systematically you can't i'm trying to turn the audience against each other so they've basically uh, the audience says what three the audience has three yeah I've lost. They got the Big Lebowski, Come to America, and Goodfellas. But uh, so I've lost. So well, yeah, but let's redeem yourself because you can lose by one or lose, you know, by two. Okay. Here we go. Right. Now, if I ever, I mean, if I ever see you here again, you die just like that. I'll play it again. Yeah. Now, if I ever, I mean, if I ever see you here again, you die just like that. How'd that sound? That sounded good. 
that's on a good night, and I know what it is. It's that big rooster on that, uh, I'm a rooster, I'm a rooster boy. I'm you mean Foghorn Leghorn is threatening? Foghorn Leghorn. Fog, wait a minute, let me get this straight. It's Foghorn Leghorn. Foghorn Leghorn is saying that if I ever see you again, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> yes, yes. And, I, and I, I'm going to guess the name of the movie, but since it was Foghorn Leghorn, I'm going to guess it was Rooster Cogburn. It's... <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. That ain't right. No, that ain't right. All right, Kalito's Way? It is Kalito's, Kalito's Way, but unfortunately, Brendan actually got it about 40 seconds ago before got you it. did. So, Dave, right. you got... I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take our next break, and when I come back, um, I'll, uh, I'll let everybody know what the score was, and... Uh, it won't take long for me to do it. Well, be sure to do this. <laughs> Turn Brendan and Kim against each other. They can't. I can't. And Why? I no, they won't because they're they're friendly online people, and I think they may even have a Match. dot com thing happening. I don't know. Oh, really? I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to try. But this to... is like their first date. No, I don't know. No, they've been let's, on before. No, they've let's shared. Go the online. Inter- this is how they go. This is how they date. They've shared the internet before. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tabulate up all the scores. And I'm going to uh, make uh, the rest of my listening audience uncomfortable by going to break. You are listening. to tally up the scores. It's four to one. I know, but I got to <laughs> take a break anyway. <laughs> You're listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. <laughs> Love food and wine? Get to know Salem, Mass. in a fun and delicious way. Join me on a Salem food tour. Our five-star rated walking tour gives guests the perfect opportunity to enjoy an afternoon with friends or coworkers. Great for locals and visitors, our tours book in advance and can be crafted for your special event. For more information on our tours and to make reservations, please visit us at SalemFoodTours.com. This is Katie Grady, and uh, Wednesday nights when there's nothing on Bravo, I listen to radio irregardless. Because when there's nothing on Bravo, there's nothing on TV, so I might as well be on the radio. Only by Bravo! To leave a question or comment, call the Radio Irregardless hotline at 978-219-9294. I'm a married guy, and uh, I'm not that excited about it either. This is my second marriage, because I've been divorced, and I don't know if any of you guys have been divorced, but you will be. I would never want to go through that again. My divorce was awful. They say that divorce can be an emotional loss similar to a death. My grandmother died, didn't try and take all my stuff. I have a quick story from my divorce. I moved in with one of my old buddies. First time I brought a woman home. It's going very well. We get romantic. We move to the bedroom. We start in. Sure enough. It's the bed. It's loud. The first thing I think is I think, oh no. I'm going to wake up my roommate. And the second thing I think is, oh no, he can time me. (laughs) 
So two hours later. She's been asleep for an hour and 50 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our wonderful guest, Dave Radigan, and his, uh, his bouncing on the bed deal. <laughs> based, on a, based on a true story. That's, that's the way all great jokes should be. Oh, and Dave, I tabulated the scores. You are right. Uh, you got horribly dismembered um, four to one by my listening audience. Well, I think that they, you know, I don't know. I'm, I've just been thinking about the idea that you've got a couple that, that hooks up on Match.com, and they both have this... Uh, <laughs> Great knowledge of threats made. Yeah, well, by famous, that's by only, famous uh, psychopathic, sociopathic uh, characters in movies. Well, that's only one of the games we play. That's only one of the games we played. We've, but think about this: <laughs> two people in a relationship yeah. who both have an encyclopedic knowledge of threats. Yeah, psychotic killers from the movies. Mm-hmm. That's a healthy relationship, right there. That's, that's a <laughs> you know what it is? That's a Cold War option. You know what the other one's going to fucking do, so don't fucking push it. And that's that's mutually assured destruction. And I think it works for most relationships. That's a good point. I you know, was, uh, if I know my if I knew my wife could destroy my fucking life, I would make sure that I had access to destroy hers. And that's I'm a balanced guy. I'm an I'm equal. <laughs> you should really be a marriage counselor. I t- I think you're 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 losing your you you missed your calling I, with this comedy acting stuff. Actually, the funny thing is, I'm actually going to go back to school. I'm going to get a psychology degree. Are you seriously going to do that? Oh, oh man, totally you, am. So you you are messed up. No, I totally want to do that. No, I'm just fascinated Anybody, with human. And let me tell you about people with psychology degrees. Yeah. All right. They're the they're the wackos. Really. <laughs> Why is yeah, that? They're the wackos. Wait, <laughs> the ones with degrees are just you know. The ones that, psychologists. You ever meet a psychologist? Uh, several. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Some some of them were court appointed. So. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're fine with they're sitting in their office where they can control things and they're close to their meds. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh my! No, but, no. But out in the real world. Yeah. Well, I've actually had my experience with a couple of counselors, and I'm like, you know something? You feel very in control because you're in this office, but you are not in control. Control is a perception anyway, but we won't get, we won't get into that. We just, no. That'll be another hour and a half show. I used to go to a doctor, and I used to think to myself, boy, your pupils are tiny, tiny, tiny. <laughs> tell me yeah, about I, your father, please. Tell me about your father, please. Yeah. I... um. I, uh, speaking of the, the, do we have any, how much time do we have? Uh, we have, uh, probably about six minutes left. Okay. And I'm going to ask you about your best gig and your worst gig story. So if you got to, well, let me tell you, but let me yeah, tell you about, this, right about the mutually excused. Uh, when I, years ago, I was working for the Lynn item and I used to work the overnight shift and I would come home on, on Saturdays and, and, uh, uh, and I would sit on my back porch in a, in a, um, fairly rundown area of uh, Salem. Not, maybe not run down, but my, my building was run down. But I used to sit on this, uh, this rickety little porch and I used to uh, sit in the in the sun. Maybe it was the late afternoon. Whatever it was, it wasn't the late afternoon. I'm sorry about that. But I was sitting there and I was having a beer and I was just sitting there and the couple below me was talking and they had been a couple for a long time and they started talking about killing each other. <laughs> and the woman. And the woman is saying, yeah, well, why don't you go do that? Because maybe you should try to do that. You just see what you can get. Yeah. And maybe I'll just do that. And they go back and forth. And they're doing it again in the most bored voices. Yeah. And that's the, that's the scary shit. 
And I'm thinking to myself, they've had this conversation about, they've had this conversation so many times that this is just another, they're just running through this thing again for themselves. Yep. <laughs> and um, it was just a very funny conversation to listen to. And they, of course, they had no idea that I was up there. You know. Yeah, that's the scariest thing. It's, it's it's always the thing, and that's the thing is that Scorsese is a master of, and I know relatives like this. The guy who's yelling is the guy you're never afraid of. The guy who tells you he's going to kill you is somebody you should never be afraid of. It's the guy, yeah. or the guy who yells, I'm going to fucking kill you. You right. never have to be afraid of those people. The guy yeah. you got to be afraid of is the guy who doesn't say a fucking word or says, I'm going to kill you. Those <laughs> are the motherfuckers you stay away from. Right, but what about the one who says... You know, maybe what I should do is is just kill you. Yeah, maybe you should. Maybe you should try. Maybe I will. <laughs> it no. was it was almost like maybe I'm going to get some eggs. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, you lazy so and so. Give me some cigarettes when you're at it. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. Just they, old... were just they were just so bored. It How old just... were they? How old were they? Oh, they. I I, I assume that they. You know, I never saw them. Oddly enough, I um. I assumed that they were old, but of course I was, you know, I was in my 20s. They, they, you know, old could have been 50. They could have been 40. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, but, it's probably uh, just a conversation. Charles just, <laughs> if I had my degree, I'd tell you how fucked up it would be, but I don't. Right. If only it would, it would have that degree, you could say with, with great certainty. With great certainty. It was messed up. Yeah. <laughs> but I could say it anyway, because I, like I said, I used to work for a newspaper. And as you know, when you work for a newspaper, you, you know everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> speaking of knowing everything, yes. Why don't you let us know? Um, I do this with all my guests, and it's mostly comic, but actors have uh, done it too, and musicians too. Um, I love to ask the uh, the guests the best gig story and the worst gig story, and you have to go at best first because the worst gig is usually funnier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it always is. Let's see, best gig, best gig. Best and because you've been doing it for long enough, I mean, go through your. Uh, your database and your collection and figure out, uh, you know, could be one of the worst, maybe not the worst or the best. Best gig, I would say. Best gig, best gig, best gig. Um, best gig, I would say probably um, almost anything at the Comedy Connection in Portland, the old one, the great one. Oh yeah, the one at the uh, the old port. Well, well, Paul and Maine used to have a fantastic room called the Comedy Connection, and uh, you'd go there and you'd feature, and it was just. Was this at the uh, the the Baker's place, the the original room? The the one that the. Um... Not the one on the dock. No, the one on the dock. Oh, the, the one, one on the dock. dock. That was the only oh. one that I was familiar with. Okay, yeah, because they they had a previous location at the Baker's table. And that location was just oh, that was fantastic. That room you couldn't, you could read the box of fucking brownie mix, and they'd be howling. They're fantastic audiences. Yeah, and I would say followed pretty closely by uh, one of the times I opened for the Beach Boys. I, um, you know, it takes a little while to learn how to play a big theater full of people, and mm -hmm. I was playing the Cape Cod Melody Tent, two thousand three hundred maybe people. Nice. And uh, I was opening, and they, you know, they say to you, when we say twenty, we mean twenty. We don't mean twenty-one. We don't mean nineteen. We want twenty. And they're in a, you're in a revolving stage. Uh, so you start the joke, and you're looking at somebody, and you have to basically move your eye contact, and then go back to that person to finish the joke. I mean, there's a <laughs> technique to it. 
but the but the, the the stage is rotating around. You've got half the people looking at your your back, and half the people looking at your front. You're opening for the Beach Boys, and to add to it, the audience at the Beach Boys is grandparents and children. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure there were people in between, but those are not the people I saw. All I could see was grandparents and children, mm-hmm. and I uh, and I had a and I had a great great uh, set. Uh, one of the times I kind of had learned to play, you know, I kind of had learned to play the tent, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, had a killer set. And I remember John Stamos was there, and John Stamos uh, was a very nice guy. I played sometimes with the, the Beach Boys, the the actor John Stamos. Yeah, I played sometimes with the Beach Boys, and it was interesting because he was the only guy who couldn't leave the dressing room without the fans going crazy. And I remember at one point he goes, "Yeah," he goes, "How was your set?" I said, "It was good." He goes, "Yeah," he goes, "I because uh, I would have gone out there to watch it, but I can't." <laughs> And that was definitely true. That's funny. <laughs> no, that's the uh, that that's probably the best. One of those two. Nice. The best. Uh, the worst. Um, <laughs> I know it's coming. <laughs> oh man, I uh, I did a wedding once. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll and do it. I said, oh, my wedding will be different. My people want to want to listen to comedy. My and he was a new comedian, and he was getting married. He was a great guy. And he got a bunch of us who didn't know any better. Chuck Roy headlined. Remember Chuck? Yeah, I just worked with Chuck a few months ago. Yeah, beautiful. Chuck headlined, and uh, what, what was we, the comics' wedding? Who's comic? We all, we all did little we all did little spots, and everybody hated us. This wasn't at Rob Steen's wedding. No. Okay. No, this is uh, this is a uh, Pac Man. Um, trying to think of Pac Man. Pat, if you give me enough time, I'll come up with his last name, but we don't have enough time. Pat Hicks. But, but what's that? Pat Hicks. No. No. No, I can't think of his last name. He was a good guy. Um, but we did his wedding, and it was horrible. And I remembered it was so bad that I had an ex-girlfriend that night who uh, wound up giving me uh, sympathy sex. Oh, well, and he, <laughs> as long as you didn't have to wake up another comic to go to the bathroom after. <laughs> <laughs> or, or have somebody cutting in to go to the bathroom. Right, you go to the bathroom <laughs> Then we already I said think, you didn't. You just did a couple, so you were the opener, Chuck Grover. <laughs> I was one of I was one of uh, like five guys who was going on before Chuck. Oh, man. And then there's been every kind of miserable gig in between. <laughs> but um, you know, I'm sure there was you know the first time I bombed this time, this time, this time. But I thought that was the best story because it's it's a, it's a there's a moral to it, and that is when uh, <laughs> Brendan and uh, Kim. When they decide they want to consummate, their, the word you're looking for is consummate. Take their, when they take their mutual interest in 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 killers, <laughs> and they decide they're going to marry, don't have comedians at the wedding. Don't. People want to dance. People definitely want to dance. Brent, wanna. Brendan is actually uh, typed in LOL. <laughs> I, don't, oh, good. I don't know if he's but, laughing at the fact that uh, that they're going to consummate or just don't have comics in the way. I don't know what. He's actually yeah. laughing at it in particular, but it's a LOL, and I'll take the I'll take the LOL. Right, and now you've said LOL, and now uh, Kim is going to think, well, they're talking about. Uh, he's laughing at the idea that we'll get married, and she'll probably threaten to kill him. At this oh, <laughs> Brendan has now typed in no comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's too late. You typed in LOL. Oh, maybe he means. Uh, I don't. I don't know what they mean. I, it's very he's difficult saying, to fucking saying, interpret he, these people. He's saying he's <laughs> laughed laughed out loud at the idea of being married to Kim. Kim is now going to threaten him. Yeah. This will 
ignite ignite his passion. He'll threaten her back. You know some Dave, don't play those fucking Jedi mind crit tricks on my fucking audience. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm the I'm the one who's gonna get a degree. I'm the one who thinks everybody's fucked up. So stop it. <laughs> yeah, you 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 just kind of ruin that. <laughs> no. And any second now. Well, if Kim isn't commenting, that means she's probably writing Brendan a very interesting email right now. So Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Brendan's like, hey, you want to jump in here, Kim? Um, I don't know what that means. It, I don't. Know. Oh, jump into the conversation. Yeah, jump into the conversation. She's like, I hope she's so. detached by now. Uh, she's yeah. She's just she's she's uh, she's off put. Maybe I don't know. Maybe she's, <laughs> she's, probably, going to, she's probably going to the bathroom. Yeah, she's that's pro- you know something. She probably is, and that's it. And that's now we just called her out now on that. Uh, on that note, Dave, I'll tell you what. Th- I thank uh, thanks so much for being a, a guest on radio. Regardless, um, it's been a pleasure. What do you got coming up? Anything, uh, anything good over the next couple of weeks? You want to kind of promote? Have my uh, my listeners jump in and and uh, yeah, come I've up and see you. Yeah, I've got a couple. I've got uh, if I if I can get my act together, I'm going to be putting together a little um, another version of the Witch City Comedy Festival in early September in. Um, at uh, Eric Rodenheiser's theater, okay, Seventh uh, Street, the Griffin Theater in Salem. Uh, let's see, last Thursday in August, I'm doing the Gloucester Rotary. We do a Gloucester Rotary show every year, and that's a big one. That'll be uh, that'll be packed. And uh, tomorrow, I'm in Drake not to brag, yeah. the Ujo <laughs> Restaurant, hosting an open mic with a lot of good comics. And uh, the, the other one is we're going to actually do, Steve McConey and myself are going to do a couple of minutes in front of uh, the, the Irish guys, Andrew, uh, oh, Andrew and Joe, Joe Rooney. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, do any time if they're going to share a bathroom. I would just stay out of that completely. At the, at the barn? Well, <laughs> they're not going to share a bathroom unless they agree. There you but, go. Uh, but we're going to do that at the barn on Wednesday the 27th. So that's uh, that's more or less a big stuff I've got coming up. <laughs> Well, very cool. And, Thank uh, you for having me on. No, no problem, man. And, and listeners, uh, I've put in uh, Dave's uh, information. Let me put it in one final time. As Dave Radigan. You can visit him at uh, DaveRadigan.com. You can visit his Twitter. You can watch him tweet, or you can see his tweets on it's uh yeah you can't really see my tweets on it. i signed up for that and i just ignored the thing well he's dave radigan on twitter and he's also and if you want to be his friend on facebook which everybody wants to be everybody's yeah, friend on facebook would be dave dot dave dot radigan on uh, on facebook so uh is that what dave dot radigan on facebook dave dot it's uh well it's facebook.com slash some of the stuff and then dave dot radigan get on facebook and then do dave radigan and when a guy comes up with a who looks like a comedian that's me yeah then that's all you gotta do yeah, that's easy. Dave, it's been great having you on. Thanks so much, man. And uh, and I, I'll uh, I'll definitely see you around the circuit. All right, sounds good. All right, take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that's been uh, that was Dave Radigan on there. And uh, and let me just say for the record, I do not think that Brendan and Kim are hooking up at all. I mean, I know Kim, I know Brendan, and trust me, you guys want to stay away from each other. It's just not a good pairing. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't. You know, I'm not playing Chuck Woolery here. I'm just trying to play attorney. That's all. <laughs> so if anybody was made to feel uncomfortable, I thoroughly apologize. And uh, it's fucking radio. What are you going to do? That's uh, just the show. So uh, I hope you guys are still listening. And I think you are because Kim just did something. It sounds like reverse psychology. No, it's actual psychology, fucker. So, <laughs> And we have, let me check my, uh, let me check my, uh, my listening line. No chat line. Nobody's chatted in. So 
That being said, we have run a little bit long on the show, but it was an interesting conversation about the psychology on that. So hopefully you guys have uh, enjoyed yourself listening to this week's episode of uh, Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, August 14th, um, I will be uh, at Chunky's in Pelham, New Hampshire, and I'm off this weekend. I'm going to be relaxing this weekend. And join us next week, August 20th, with my guest would be Bill Holdcroft Jr. And 27th, our one-year show. We'll see you, we'll see you next week. This Radio Irregardless, hosted by Mark Scalia, your non-standard blend of irrespective listening and regardless enjoy. Radio Irregardless was written, directed, and produced by Mark Scalia and broadcast live from Salem, Massachusetts via Mixler.com. I'd like to thank my on-air guests, courtesy of Skype, and all the online listeners for their comments. The Radio Irregardless theme music, If Only I Had a Pen, was written and composed by Derek Dupuy. All material and content, property of MS Enterprises, and copyrighted 2014. Thank you for listening. And finally, anyone who uses the term irregardless shall be sent to a work camp.